Good morning. Thank you. It says I'm on. I got a little red light. Praise the Lord. Now you can hear me. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. And while you uh, open your Bible there, I just, uh, I, I remember there was something I was supposed to tell you during the announcements. There's always something I'm supposed to talk about that I forget. Uh, but it's about our mission trip that Brother Lester and Mrs. H and I went on uh, last week. Uh, we had the tremendous blessing uh, to go to Panama. And uh, we left on Friday, of course. That was a day of travel and whirlwind and a, a little bit of a view of the uh, Panama Canal, which was kind of neat. Uh, but then Saturday, the real business began of ordaining Brother Andres Falconet. And I will tell you, uh, I, I knew... I, I, I've. I had the blessing last year of going to uh, Panama and getting to meet this man and getting to interview him and understand what he believes and why he believes it. And uh, I had little doubt of uh, what kind of uh, uh, answers he would give during an interrogation. But that's always kind of a, well, it's kind of a sticky spot to be in. And, and uh, the, the light was shone brightly on Brother Andreas. And I will tell you, he, uh, he proved himself... Uh, completely ready for the ordination that we performed. And so it was a tremendous blessing to do that. I hope you've seen some of the pictures posted on Facebook. And um, uh, it was just a really wonderful trip. Brother uh, Lester got to preach the morning sermon there in Las Margaritas, uh, Panama, and uh, a young lady got saved. Uh, uh, they'd been working with her for some time, and, and Brother Lester just, uh, you know, he just brought a very clear message about the gospel and uh, the need for people to get saved and how to be saved. And uh, I don't know if it was there working on her or if it was Brother Lester's preaching or the com- combination of the two, but it's always wonderful to be used by God so that someone comes to a knowledge of salvation. And so that, that happened. I also was able to go up on the mountain that evening and uh, we baptized two new members into Northwest Baptist Church that are part of the mission there in Corpus Christi and Las Margaritas. And uh, uh, then I was able to preach for them. So it was a really wonderful trip and uh, praise God. Let me ask this question uh, as we consider this message I have for you this morning. Have you ever been interrupted in a task uh, and your head went somewhere else? I, like, I'll give you a wonderful, very uh, recent example. Brother Lester and Miss H and I and you know my wife, we were driving to the airport that Friday, just a week ago Friday, uh, that early morning so we could make a flight at 10 a.m., and uh, of course, I've driven to the airport before, and I usually when I'm driving through Houston, I'll use GPS to make sure that I can get around the traffic. And Brother Lester and I were visiting, and I forgot where I was going, and suddenly I realized I'm going to church, and that's not where the airport is. <laughs> and I had to turn around and start heading back toward, get on the, the, the beltway so I could head towards the airport, and then... Again, I was engaged and something had interrupted my focus and, and I had to make another turnaround. And praise God, we made the plane no problem. But sometimes that happens, doesn't it? I mean, we, we, we're focused on something and we forget what we're doing. And if, I think that's what we see, or maybe not exactly that here in chapter 3. But if you, if you read this uh, passage, and we're going to just read these first 13 verses here, and then we'll take some time to examine what is uh, uh, written here. Uh, I, wanna, I want you to see that Paul begins a prayer in verse 1, or is about to begin a prayer in verse 1, and then he doesn't get to that prayer until verse 14. So let's read with that in mind. He says, For this cause, 
I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in uh, Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints, in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of grace, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we all have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Father, again, we praise you. We praise you for our freedom. We praise you for uh, the missionaries we have with us this morning. And God, we praise you for the opportunity to serve you. It is truly a, a privilege, Lord, to know you and to have been saved by your grace and by your tremendous love. And Lord, then to be uh, uh, conscripted into your service to share these wonderful truths of the gospel. God, I pray this morning you will allow me to be used of you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and allow me uh, to be used. Let me to be your mouthpiece that uh, there will be no question that this message comes from you and not from me. Lord, I praise you uh, for the opportunity to be used. I pray you be with our service, be with this time of worship and preaching, and I just pray you bless our church in Christ's name. Amen. Paul... Paul, I believe, is one of the greatest missionaries, if not the greatest missionary to have ever walked this planet. Uh, It is because of Paul that we have uh, quite a large portion of the Word of God because of his willingness to submit himself to the will of God. Um, He is the greatest missionary, but like Jesus, Paul is also an example. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where he says to the church at Corinth, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He is an example. And the reality is, is if you have trusted Christ, you too are a missionary. This morning, uh, our our missionary asked the question, how many of you have a friend that's an ambassador? And I leaned over to my wife with a, you know, a dad joke in my heart. And I said, well, we're surrounded by ambassadors because we're all ambassadors of Christ. We are missionaries. We have, been, uh, we have been gifted with this tremendous privilege and duty to share the gospel. Uh, you, of here, you here that are saved this morning, who have trusted Christ as your Savior, I, I want to tell you, Christ did not save you so you can live a really comfortable life in Houston, Texas. He didn't save you so that you can enjoy the, uh, just uh, freedom from your sin and from the punishment of sin while you just go about your life and just kind of have a... a, a an earthly vacation before you return to heaven or go to heaven. No, you've been saved for a purpose, to be a missionary of the gospel of Christ. And Paul is very much 
our example. I, I bring this to your attention because there's a lot that we could look at in this passage and a lot of different directions I could go on and I decided we're going to try to go in a, more, in a very practical direction. I see six marks of a true missionary in this passage. And I, want, I see it in Paul and his testimony he gives to us. And uh, I, 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 I want to share that with you. And, but before I do, I want to share one quote from C.H. Spurgeon. He said in a sermon, he said, Every Christian here, and so he was preaching, and so I'm preaching, and I'm quoting the words of a preacher in a church service. And so if you're listening and you're a Christian, here's, he's talking to you. He says, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. So while not every Christian will have the same call as Paul on his life, or this missionary we have with us this morning, or, or of Brother Andres Falconet, or Tim Delaney, missionaries in Panama, every Christian should assume the posture of a missionary and testify to the grace of Jesus Christ. Six, missionary, uh, miss, six true marks of a true missionary. The first one, and I promise this While I have double the points, it won't be twice as long. The first true mark I see is a true missionary follows the will of Christ. I see that just how Paul bookends his his uh, his uh, this part of this passage, verse one to verse thirteen. He these two verses that bookend this all that's in the middle. uh, He talks about following Christ and what it means for him. He sheds light on the condition of his sufferings. In verse 1, he calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And then in verse 13, he says, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations. He's drawing uh, direct uh, attention to the idea that what it means to be a true missionary, a true person who's sharing the gospel, is you got to be willing to sacrifice. you got to be willing even to suffer. There's missionaries who've done it, who are doing it. Last year when I was in Panama, I, I saw this in the life of Andres Falconet. He felt called to be a missionary. He had no sponsoring church. He was not under the authority of any church. He, was, uh, he believed he was a min- member of our church uh, 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 by his testimony. But, um, and he wanted to serve God, and he wanted to do it so badly, and God had moved him to do it so, uh, so much that he was suffering. And he was sacrificing to share the gospel. We should have the same heart. Paul, Paul's imprisonment reveals the nature of doing true mission work. It involves sacrifice and suffering. We don't go looking for sacrifice and suffering. But it comes with the territory. It's kind of like... Uh, 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 baseball. I, I was. I played baseball when I was in third grade. I was terrible. Okay, mostly because I had no clue what was going on most of the time. But you know, if you play baseball for any period of time, it should come to no surprise to you if you get hit by a baseball every now and again, which smarts. Or, or what about if you're a soldier? We uh, we have the blessing of having many uh, soldiers in our church. 
former soldiers. And of course, if I'm talking about any Marines, they're still Marines, I understand. Uh, but, you know, can you imagine being a soldier and being surprised if, you get, if the enemy fires on you? I mean, that's kind of silly. It kind of comes with the territory, doesn't it? And to serve God, to, to, to be a true missionary, means you will follow the will of Christ, even if it means you're going to have to sacrifice or you may face suffering. In verse 1, Paul describes himself as that prisoner of Christ. He doesn't call himself the prisoner of Caesar. He's the prisoner of Christ. He's, he's admitting that it is the will of Christ that has put him in prison. And that him being in prison is not thwarting the will of God at all. You know, we often look at our difficulties and our circumstances uh, that are maybe not what we hoped that they were, or we might imagine that God would want them to be. We, we look at our sufferings and our sacrifices and we go, well, man, I, I just, I wish I could serve God, but I just have these circumstances I can't, I can't overcome. Listen, the only way that your circumstances are going to thwart the will of God is if you let them. We must be committed to suffering and to doing whatever it takes to share this wonderful message of the gospel. 2 Timothy 2, verse 9, Paul wrote, he said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. He said, listen, I'm in prison. I'm, I'm suffering all kinds of trouble as though I'm an evildoer. But listen to what he says. He says, but the word of God is not bound. Listen, no matter where the... the no matter where God takes you in your life, no matter where he might open doors for you to share the gospel, his word is not going to be bound. Uh, our, our missionary this morning uh, lives in a nation where he may someday end up behind bars, but the word of God won't be bound. Paul, Paul, uh, Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and while he was in a Roman cell, chained to a Roman guard all the time, he was constantly sharing the gospel. He was writing letters. He was constantly reaching to these churches and guys like Timothy to try to share with them encouragement. That's another thing that just shocks me when you see in verse 13. He says, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations. He says, I don't want you to be worried about me. Don't be upset about my tribulations. He said, for you, which is your glory. These are, my, these are my tribulations. These are my sufferings that I'm suffering for you, for your glory. Paul comforts the people from prison. And he really wants to remind them that there's a bigger picture at play than just his sufferings. It's something we need to know. That we will follow Christ no matter what. The second true mark of a, a true missionary, I, say, I would say a true missionary knows the message of Christ. Look in these next few verses, verse 2 through 6. He says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. And it is, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Uh, a true missionary knows the, the message of Christ. A true missionary knows the true message of Christ as opposed to the false message of Christ. You know, when Brother Lester and I and, and Mrs. H, when we went to Panama, uh, while we were 
we were bringing with us to missionaries that are sharing the true message of Christ, there is a whole other group of missionaries in almost every country trying to share a different message. The, the, uh, you would imagine that a prosperity gospel would not really thrive in a, a third world country. It is rampant there. The reality is, is if you're a true missionary, if you're, if you're a true uh, follower of Christ and you're going to be a missionary to share the gospel, you will know the message. It's, in, it's important that we know the message. There's missionaries all over the world trying to take what they believe is good news to other people and they've got the wrong message. Where do you find the right message? Y'all are quiet this morning. Y'all trying to figure out what I'm about to say. Where is it? It's here. Is it in my mouth? Is it in my head? Is it in your head? No, it's right here. This is where we gain truth. This is where the, uh, the, the message is. When Paul says in verse 4, he says uh, that you may understand my knowledge. You know, there's a couple of ways you could take that, but... I don't believe for one moment that he's saying, I hope you understand that I have knowledge. He's not saying, I hope you understand that I, Paul, I have some secret knowledge. No, what he's saying is, is he wants the reader to know the mystery of Christ. And, and then he describes how that happened. He said, which, unto, uh, uh, which in other ages was not made unto the, uh, known unto the sons of men. You know, uh, he's comparing the mystery of Christ, he's comparing it to the other mysterious religions that, which the Ephesian people would have understood. They, they, would have, they, they were surrounded by uh, these, some cults that would have secret knowledge, just only for the few. But what he's saying here is he's saying, he's saying uh, it was withheld. Yes, this, this, this was the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ was withheld uh, from the sons of men. But it says, now revealed, in verse 5, unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So this knowledge, this mystery of Christ is not a, a mystery anymore. It's not just something that, to, that was only knowable to a few. It is now the mystery that has been made plain in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And all can see it. He calls it the mystery of Christ. It had been a mystery that was hidden for many generations, but now it can be understood. If you're here today, and first let's say this, if you're here today and, and maybe you're not in the majority, and I believe the majority in here, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But if you're not, maybe you're not sure or secure in your salvation. Uh, let me tell you first that the Bible says you can know. First uh, John 5.13 says, These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. There's, uh, there's no reason for you to doubt your salvation because the Bible says that you can know it. Amen. That you can... And, and by the way, you, you can't have eternal... Eternal life is not eternal if you can lose it, okay? Um, it's not by grace if you have to work to keep it. So if you're not secure in your salvation, let me, let me implore you this morning to consider the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for your sin. The, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't have time, although it would be worth taking the time, to to preach to you the wonderfulness of the gospel of Christ. But if you're here and you've never trusted him, 
John 3 makes these things very clear. Jesus had a conversation, and then John makes some remarks about that conversation with this man that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And and he says at the end of that chapter, he said, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Listen, all that's required of you is for you to trust in Jesus Christ. But if you're here this morning, and you, you can look back in your life, and you can identify a place in time where you said, I realize that I cannot save myself. I must have a Savior. And you... I identified that Jesus Christ is the only possible Savior, and you trusted completely in Him, if you've come today and you've had that moment in your life, the reality is, is that you need to know this gospel. Now, why? Because you're supposed to share it. Does that mean you need to become some kind of great master theologian? No. But you ought to know the gospel. You ought to know how to, how to communicate the gospel. You ought to know the, the major uh, 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 doctrines of this book, how that uh, everything was put together, made by God and not by any other person or any other entity or any other means. He, everything was made by God in six literal days, as we see in Genesis chapter 1. You, you ought to be able to understand that and process it and share it with someone else. You ought to be able to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. You should be able to talk about the fall of man. You should be able to talk about uh, the new creation. You ought to be able to talk about the importance of the church. These things are what you were saved for, to know these things and to, to live them out in your life and to show that there is truth available for those who are seeking for it. We're to know the message of Christ. We have these truths because the word of God, but also because there's always been a faithful few who have studied the word of God, not adding their own doctrines, and have passed it down generation to generation. A true missionary will follow the will of Christ. A true missionary knows the message of Christ. A true missionary is overwhelmed by the grace of Christ. Look in the next uh, uh, verse and a half here in verse 7. He says, whereof, now Paul's speaking of himself, he says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given Paul Paul had been a very proud man before the grace of Christ found him. You know, if, if you know the story of Paul, and if you don't, you, I'll try to share just a snippet of it, but Paul had been a, a Pharisee. Uh, I, I like to lump those guys in together with the Sadducees and the temple uh, guys, and I just call them the temple mafia because they were out to get Jesus. But these Pharisees were incredibly proud of their of their holiness, of their goodness. They were incredibly proud of their ability uh, to, to, to supposedly live by the law of God, and they lorded it over everyone. And Paul was one of these guys. And Paul, he was so zealous as a Pharisee that it was his mission to destroy Christians, to see them murdered, to see the churches that were springing up all over uh, Jerusalem and other places 
He wanted to see them squashed and obliterated. And then one day, he was on his way on a road to Damascus. And the grace of God found him. And he was blinded. But as he heard Jesus talk to him, the eyes of his heart were opened. And Paul, this very proud man, on the road to Damascus, God changed everything about him. Paul is overwhelmed by the grace of God. We see clearly that Paul is humbled by the grace of God. Now, I think a true missionary will be humbled by the grace of God. I wish I, didn't, I couldn't say this, but I've been in many independent Baptist churches and many other kinds of churches where there's people who, who look a lot like Pharisees. And they would tell you they've got it all together. They've, uh, they're the holy ones. You need to follow their example. You need to follow what they would say about how you should dress, what kind of music you should listen to, and what kind of Bible translation you should use even. The reality is, is the greatest sin that they have in their life is pride. Do you know God hates pride? He hates it. And Paul, if we were to go to Philippians and, and, and see in chapter 3 how he enumerates the, the qualifications he had had, all his accolades of his life, his birth, his, his uh, citizenship, all these things that he had to his name, and he would tell you, he says in chapter 3, he says, I count them all but dung. Paul realized that everything that was good about him meant nothing. And that it was only by God's grace that he could do anything. I love how he talks about his ministry. He says, talking about verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. By the way, that's part of that knowledge of the, of the uh, message of Christ. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He says, whereof I was made a minister. How? According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And, and, and then like he can't believe what he just said. He, he has to reiterate it. He says, unto me. Me. Paul. Who am less than the least of all the saints. Is this grace given? I, I believe a true missionary is going to be overwhelmed by the grace of Christ. Paul was uh, called by God powerfully on the road to Damascus, but God's power continued to sustain Paul also while he continued to do ministry. So not only did, did the grace of God humble Paul, but it sustained him. Why is that important for a missionary? Well, we already talked about how sharing the gospel and being a true follower of Christ is not an easy task. Suffering and sacrifice come with the territory. Many of you, you, work, you don't work for a church. 
How many of you work for a church here? Okay, all right. <laughs> just, a, just a few of us. So that means maybe your, your faith is not welcome in your place of work or on the street where you live or on the vacations that you take or in the grocery store that you go to. Suffering and sacrifice are going to come with sharing the gospel. And how are we to endure that? Well, it's, Paul didn't do it just because Paul was so great. Paul was able to do it because of the grace of God. Let me take this a little deeper. Today, you might feel weak and fragile. You might feel like uh, maybe my time for serving God has come and gone. You might feel too weak to do it. I want to encourage you that God's grace is enough to sustain you through whatever he wants you to do. Fourth mark. A true missionary shares the riches of Christ. Look at that second part of verse 8. Verse, first part, he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of the saints, was this grace given that I should preach. Paul's example as a true missionary was to proclaim Christ. He didn't just uh, preach things that he thought. He says that I should preach among the Gentiles what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, even in America, we all look for acceptance. We look for love. We look for significance. We're constantly seeking this in our life. Can I tell you in just the most simple terms that God really does love you? And that he demonstrated his love through the cross. I mean, you know, love is is nothing without some kind of action to back it up. And The love of Christ was demonstrated in his grace and mercy through a death on the cross, a horrible, painful death. And it's because of that that we experience the riches of his grace. And I think a a true follower, like I believe Spurgeon would have said and did say, he said either you share it or, um, or you're an imposter. He said, it cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. A true missionary shares the riches of Christ with others. In fact, it is your command. If you're the member of a church, if you've been baptized into a biblical church, that means your duty, your calling on your life, above any other uh, education that will gain you some kind of career above even uh, the, the duties you have as a, a, a family man or, or, a, or a mother and, and wife. Above that, it is your duty to share the gospel. And a true missionary will share the riches of Christ. He goes on in verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus. What he's describing at the beginning of this verse 9, he says, and to make 
all men see. Listen, we live in a dark place. We live in a world of darkness. The sun is up right now and shining and beating down on us, the heat of Houston. Uh, one of our uh, brothers, yesterday we went to dinner with our, our missionary friends and, and uh, we were going out to uh, find my bride who was with the kids out near the playground and he started singing, Rescue the Perishing. Yeah, that's what the heat of Houston will do for you to kill you. The sun is shining, the lights are on, but we live in a dark world. And what Paul is describing is someone who's shining light on the truth. You know, it, it's a blessing whenever you find yourself in darkness and you remember, oh, my phone has a flashlight. I could turn this flashlight on and I can find my way. Instead of falling down the stairs or tripping over that shoe, I can find my way. I can see what is before me. I can see the truth of what's taking place around me. It is our job to shed light on the truth of the gospel. Just to recap here, a true missionary follows the will of Christ. A true missionary knows the message of Christ. A true missionary is overwhelmed by the grace of Christ. A true missionary shares the riches of Christ. And I just have two more. A true missionary has an elevated view of the church of Christ. And I'm not talking about the denomination church of Christ. I'm talking about the church that he established, and we believe we're one of those. Uh, in, in, In verses 10 and 11, we see this. He says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying is, is the purpose of the church is to share the greatest message of history with not just uh, the people that are around you, but to who? It names them right there in verse 10. The principalities and the powers. Just so every We have a right and a duty to share the gospel with everyone and with the highest powers and the lowest on the streets. That is the purpose. And he describes it in verse 11 as the purpose of the church, an eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, we ought to understand that the church is essential to society. The church is essential uh, to freedom. The the church is essential to sharing the gospel. It's God's plan that it goes through his church. And if uh, if you're a Christian and you've trusted in Jesus Christ, I hate to tell you this, but if you're not engaged in serving in a church, then you're failing in serving God according to his will. We should have an elevated view of the church. We should see the importance of it in our life. Our missionary this morning said, you should build your life around a church. I don't just say that for my benefit. I say that because this is our job, is to to share the gospel with our community and with the places we can send our funds to the world. It's incredibly important. And then the last one, a true, amen, thank you. I've skipped at least a page here. It's all right. A true missionary draws near to God through Christ. This last verse in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access. Not just access, but access with confidence by the faith of him. 
I don't know how to say this in fewer words than what I've written down in my sermon. You know, if I was going to go approach a king that was over me, who had power over me, who uh, maybe like in in a dictatorship could just put me in prison for whatever reason he deemed uh, uh, you, you know, good to him. I think I would approach that king probably with not a lot of confidence. When I was at, still at home and I was a teenager, you know, I always, if I wanted to go somewhere, I wanted permission to do something. Guess who I went to? I went to mom. Mom would hear me out a little better. I didn't always approach my dad with confidence. Can I tell you this morning that you can come to God? You have unlimited access to him, and you can come to him in confidence that he will hear you. He may not give you everything you ask for, but he'll give you what you need. And I said already, he really does love you. and He really is with you. Our, our lives ought to be built around these sort of things. We have access to God, that we can draw near to him through Christ. That the church is what our life should be built around so that we're fulfilling God's calling on our life as baptized believers. That the riches of his grace humble us and sustain us. I could go on, but the reality is, is I'm, I'm talking about being a missionary. And those of you who have identified in your hearts that you've trusted Christ, maybe you've been baptized into the membership of a church, you're a missionary. But really the question is, are you living like one? Someday... Someday, each of us, this is a wild reality to to imagine, but it's the truth. And I know it's the truth because the Word of God says so. But someday, each and every one of you, Stan, Sam, uh, Lester Hudson, uh, Eric Nussberger, Brother Kent, Zara, you're going to be doing this. Uh, Every person in this room, every person you know, Every person you've ever known, every person you've ever read about in history, Abraham, Lincoln, I mean anybody, is going to have to stand before God. And God is going to ask something. I don't know exactly how he's going to word his question. He may not even have to ask. He might just look at us and we know exactly what kind of answers he's looking for. But he's going to ask of us to give an account for our life. Not just those who've never trusted Christ, but everyone who has trusted, he's going to ask you too. And I pray, I know I'm going to shrink in shame for so many things, but I pray that I can stand and say, I tried to follow as best as I could. And if you're here today, Maybe you're not living like a missionary. It's, it's an all-encompassing thing. It's an identity. I encourage you, consider that day. Because it's in your future. 
consider how you'll answer God. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I thank you for this passage. Lord, it's a, a, a little bit of a change of pace from what we've seen in the last uh, few messages uh, in the book of Ephesians. But God, it, in reality, it's just what we need. The reminder of our, uh, of our, our place in this world now that we've been saved. Lord, it's so easy, again, for us to get Christian amnesia and to forget what we're saved for. We're not saved for our enjoyment. I mean, praise God, that's part of it. We're not saved for, for, uh, for, the, for our uh, riches that will come. And praise God, that is part of it. But Lord, we're saved for your glory. And Lord, your glory means we're going to live according to your will. I pray for each that is here today. They've trusted you. I pray that they will consider what kind of missionary they what kind of missionary they are, and that they'll seek to follow Paul as he followed you. But God, also I pray for those here that may not have ever trusted you, and I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to work on them, and that if in this service is the time, I pray you would just give them boldness to ask the right questions or to come forward and. Make a profession of faith. Lord, we love you and we praise you for all you do. We ask you to be with this time of invitation. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Let's stand together.